You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. I wanted to create a whole person who was yet not whole, who had this terrible affliction that had so altered his life, and yet he still has the depth that anyone else has. Suspense writer Jeffrey Deaver. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. As a young man, Jeffrey Deaver started as a journalist. Then he was a lawyer for a while, but ultimately his first love came back to claim him, and he became a mystery suspense writer. And a very good one. Won lots of awards, but his smash-through, breakthrough success came in 1997 with his book about a quadriplegic police detective named Lincoln Rhyme. Since then, he's written 15 Lincoln Rhyme books and has become one of the world's most popular mystery suspense writers. Now, I had known Jeffrey Deaver for several years before the series began, and we talked about it when his first Lincoln Rhyme book, The Bone Collector, came out in 1997. So here now, from 1997, Jeffrey Deaver. The story opens with uh, Lincoln Rhyme, who is a um, little unusual character. He really was the genesis of the book. Um, he's a um, quadriplegic forensic detective. At one point, he was really the the brains behind the crime scene unit in Manhattan's uh, police department. But three or four years ago, an accident on the job left him a quadriplegic, completely paralyzed from the neck down, except for his left ring finger, which he can only move a few millimeters in either direction. Well, um, as the book opens, Lincoln is considering uh, a, a date with his, um, well, my version of Dr. Kevorkian. He's decided he doesn't want to live anymore and is just about to check out when a... Um, um, a serial kidnapper shows up in New York, leaving clues that apparently only Lincoln can solve. Uh, that starts us on what I've heard is a roller coaster ride. I wouldn't presume to say that myself, but that's what the critics have been saying. It's a, a fast roller coaster ride through the uh, ins and outs of forensic science in New York, trying to track down this serial kidnapper. Well, it may or may not surprise you to find that uh, I had to read three books for today. I had three interviews, or my third of three. The other two got very short shrift because I was spending so much time with yours. I, mean, was... <laughs> I, I should feel guilty about that, Bill. Maybe I, maybe I will at some point. I don't you, you, know. Yes, <laughs> I, I meant to make you feel happily guilty about that. This really is, I mean, I, I found myself almost against my will just turning those pages. I mean, not, not that I didn't want to keep going, but it's just I had to. It was such a compelling read. Well, when I was, um, I was in England on a tour about a year ago uh, doing a radio interview, and the interviewer said, well, um, Jeffrey, what do you say to the charge that you manipulate your readers? And I said, thank you. That's the finest compliment <laughs> I've had all day. And, and I'm being a little facetious, but, but the fact is that um, my books are meant that way. I, I, when I say roller coaster, I do mean that. I, I want to um, set up every, every two chapters or so another crisis. I want the climax to build and build and build until we... Um, um, we're flipping those pages with sweaty palms. Uh, it doesn't always work, but that's what I, I sure try to do. Well, for heaven's sake, if you're manipulating us, so is Steven Spielberg. So is the guy who invented the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. You know, I mean, I love that ride, but <laughs> well, now that it's politically correct too, that's uh, you know they've taken out the pirates chasing the women. But that's a whole nother, That's a whole topic for a whole nother story. Where does the title of this book come from? The um, uh, has a uh, as often with my titles has a really a double meaning. The um, 
One of the things that interested me most when I was living in Manhattan was the history of the, the place. Um, we tend to think of America as a relatively new country, especially if, if we've spent any time in Europe where uh, history goes back so far. But, but in fact, um, there's a, a, a great deal of history, and a great deal of history in, in Manhattan that's really a, a part of um, everyday life there. You, you walk past very old buildings. You walk past um, areas that had been uh, Native American grounds. Um, well, I got the idea that I was going to find a, um, a, a fictional character from the around the turn of the century, a, uh, a serial killer of some sort, that my modern-day serial killer or serial kidnapper modeled himself on. And looking around for something that was manipulative, if you will, scary, I came up with the idea of someone who was obsessed with bones. Uh, this is a, a fellow from the uh, around the around the turn of the century. Uh, a real killer? Not a real killer, although based on a real incident, which I can tell you about in a, a minute. Um, for uh, listeners who have uh, strong stomachs, I <laughs> I could go into some details. I think I'll probably uh, tone it down a little bit. But uh, anyway, my modern day character had started reading about this fellow and got it into his head that he was going to duplicate that the uh, the character from the uh, turn of the century was called the Bone Collector. My character in the present day takes his name from that, and I thought it would at least get people to take a look at the cover, if nothing else. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I mean, you, you've walked into bookstores, and you see all the, 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 the new fiction section, mm -hmm. and it, it's frequently, I mean, I don't know who designs these covers, the, the jackets, but sometimes it's not always real apparent what it is. I mean, this could be a book on, on a Native American culture, this or... <laughs> Archaeology or anthropology, <laughs> right. well, and I, uh, of course, uh, our listeners can't uh, can't see the cover, but it has uh, crossed uh, bones. I guess those are leg bones of some kind. I don't know. Yeah, well, they're, they're well. rather substantial. Or... Um, I, and I had I had thought when I saw this, it, it, they form an X, and I had thought uh, when I first saw this, well, it's a very striking cover, and I hope we can pick up some uh, fans of the X Files too, and <laughs> yes. maybe pick up the book without thinking about it. So, uh, well, I mean, I mean, much as fans of that show, I mean, not not that your book is is particularly in the same vein as that, but I mean, it, it's there's something about both those efforts that really does uh, go to in, in that you're solving a mystery, you're following clues, you're you're oh, looking for the unknown, and uh, absolutely, it's that. Um, that uh, the mystery element, and not mystery in the sense of the classic Agatha Christie murder mystery, but the unknown out there. One of Lincoln Rhymes' um, goals in this book is to um, is is to track down this fellow and find him to to keep him from, uh, uh, of course, the, the, this uh, nefarious kidnapping that he's been doing. But more than that, he wants to get to the bottom of of why this man is doing what he's doing. Why does he tick the way he ticks? And um, the answer to that, which is revealed at the end, has to do with uh, Rhyme's own past, and it's it's quite a revelation uh, to him, uh, for good or for bad. Now, artistically, you you do have certain conventions you have to follow. In other words, by the time a reader reaches the conclusion of this book, we expect justice to have been done, don't mm -hmm. we? The um, murder mysteries or thrillers. This um, I think it's probably billed as a novel of suspense. That's the the term of art that is uh, being used presently to describe this kind of book. Is is actually a book like that is actually part of a very long tradition that goes way back to uh, well the Iliad, the Odyssey, to a time before there actually were novels when stories were were told orally. Um, and passed down from generation to generation, often written, but um, 
with the uh, the illiteracy of the the times, uh, stories were simply told. And there there are conventions that must be followed: a beginning, a middle, an end. Um, characters that we can um, feel some sympathy for, put into very difficult situations, uh, and some resolution at the end. And yes, I believe in happy endings, but realistic endings in the sense that my characters um, go through fire and come out uh, safe, but not unscathed. After this short break, Jeffrey Deaver explains just how mystery writers hook us with our own imaginations. Now back to my 1997 conversation with Jeffrey Deaver. Well, most readers I know don't demand necessarily a happy ending as long as it's, as long as it makes sense, mm -hmm. as long as the bad guy gets his, mm -hmm. and as long as the loose ends are tied up. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, everybody's great smiles and they're riding off into the sunset. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, that can, uh, that can diminish a book. Um, in The Bone Collector, they're, um, the characters suffer loss. They are changed by the events because they are rather harrowing. They, they, their friends uh, are injured or die. Uh, they suffer. Um, I'm thinking of a uh, the um, the policewoman, the young policewoman, Amelia Sachs, mm -hmm. who becomes Lincoln Rhymes' eyes and ears and legs at the crime scene. Um, she suffers from uh, claustrophobia, among other things, and finds herself in a um, a very unfortunate circumstance uh, toward the end of the book. Uh, I won't tell you um, too much more about it, except to say that uh, it does it does change her. <laughs> well, I mean, this is another one of those almost it's, it's almost a convention you you expect. If early on in the book you find out somebody has a fear of spiders, mm -hmm. somewhere along the way you know there's going to be a big spider. It's the um, if you. Uh, if you study movies at all or you watch films, <laughs> there'll be that close-up shot of something, whether it's a, a gun or the car lock not going down the way it ought to or someone not putting his seatbelt on um, or the, the vial of poison that is accidentally left out. And we know right away that's a, clearly a broadcast that uh, someone's going to fly out of the car or will be poisoned or will not get his hand on the gun when he ought to or whatever. And uh, it, it's a fine line you have to walk between playing fair and trying to uh, trying to trick the readers. No, but you see, what's fun is, and I think you understand this, is that you know we're watching for those little things. Oh, absolutely. I, and I you, was... can, you can point out the, that spider or the, the gun that's just out of reach and then never do anything with it again because, well, you know, we'll pick up that must be a clue, and it never is. I'll, I'll tell you something something interesting, something I've learned about, um, about writing these thrillers and something that I think readers uh, really respond to. They are games in a way, and readers really enjoy working through them, trying to figure out what's going on. And in fact, in The Bone Collector, I've included um, evidence charts so that readers who want to spend the time can analyze the evidence along with Lincoln Rhyme. And you don't need to know any great scientific uh, facts for, for this. Um, and you will be able, from those clues that I present in these little boxed charts throughout the book, you will be able to figure out who the killer is. Um, I don't know that you want to spend your time doing that. Of course, you <laughs> may have more with your life, more, more to do with your life. But, no, but you know, it's it's also fascinating because it, it proves once again, as, as in real life, we see proof in in real detective stories, how common knowledge soaked up and filed away in a in the detective's mind will help solve it. For for Lincoln Rhymes, Rhymes to know that 
an, an iron bolt is not going to rust. Just the, the just the head of the bolt is going to rust if it's in this this very uh, moist soil. The whole bolt is going to be rusted. Well, as as Lincoln Rhyme says, um, some, somewhere uh, in the course of his investigations, uh, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it is true because he has no power otherwise. He is paralyzed. He can move his head. He can move his finger just a little bit. But, um, and that actually was the, uh, the, the, uh, idea that started me writing the book. I, I, I love the thought of a man who, um, whose physical life was over with, largely over with, but his mind was as good as ever. And that made him as valid as anyone else. But it's, you have to avoid stereotypes too. I mean, you 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 write very sensitively about him. Well, the um, um, when I when I looked at Lincoln Rhyme, I wanted to create. It sounds a little odd to say this. I wanted to create a whole person who was yet not whole, and who had the um, this uh, affliction, this terrible affliction that had so altered his life, and yet I felt he still has the depth that anyone else has he still has the desires he still has the uh, the dreams he still has the need for intellectual stimulation and um uh trying to juggle those those two his damaged body and his uh, very active mind was a was a bit of a challenge and um he he will be coming back in another book and that's largely because um, the the critics and the readers who have read the book so far, and the the film, it is uh, it has been bought by Universal Pictures. Mm. The, the the folks in Hollywood want the character again. They they don't actually say a great deal about my plot. They say <laughs> we love we love Lincoln Rhyme. We want to see this man again, and th- that is believe me a bit of a challenge to uh, create a uh, uh, a series involving a, a character. Under these circumstances, but the the second book actually is finished, and uh, there's a third one on the way. Wow! I mean, I'm curious. Have you heard any and gotten any feedback from groups that represent the disabled? Or? No. Although a, um, a fellow on the um, on the West Coast who writes a uh, a newsletter for the the disabled has followed my books for some time because a a book I wrote two years ago, A Maiden's Grave, featured a deaf protagonist and um i I, uh it was it was kind of coincidental that i have picked people with uh with conditions i can't i don't call them afflictions anymore because they they simply are uh not to be politically correct it's it's just that they are different uh, living under slightly different circumstances from from many or most other people but um he uh the, the fellow who does this newsletter had um it's a well. There is really quite a uh, quite a readership for your books among uh, the certainly the deaf community, and he said now among the um, uh, the physically disabled community as well. Um, and it really wasn't my my intention. I simply wanted to to look to create characters that were were different. I'm I'm tired of the the Sam Spade private eye. I'm tired of the uh, the perky uh, young young woman uh, amateur private detective who who goes out and uh, and, and solves crimes. I'm tired of the the the, the cop, the pol- procedural cop. Mm-hmm. I just want to do something different. And I I do think readers respond to something that is um, even if flawed is is uh, is somewhat different from the run of the mill. The, the hard boiled drunk who's only three weeks from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Seems I haven't heard that for a few days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey Deaver turned seventy two last week. 
His latest Lincoln Rhyme book, The Midnight Lock, was published last year. And you can find easy Amazon links to Jeffrey Deaver's books at our website, HeardEverything.com. And HeardEverything.com is where you'll find my interviews with two other masters of mystery and suspense. James Patterson. I am doing a dance with the reader, and, and, and we're, all, we're all in it together. They want to have a good time. I want them to have a good time. On my tombstone, I want it to be Jim kept a lot of people up late at night. And Patricia Cornwell. All of my plots are rooted usually in the commonplace and randomness. And that, of course, is what's so frightening because we'd rather think it's a, a Dean Koontz or Stephen King type monster out there who's very clever and supernatural. Uh, somehow that would make us feel a little more immune if we knew it wasn't as commonplace as the person who pumps gas for you. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, a woman who had a close personal encounter with a suspected criminal, and that changed the course of her entire life and career. My 2010 interview with criminal profiler Pat Brown. If you behave in a squirrely manner and you become a person of interest to a profiler, to a detective, well, maybe you should change your behavior. Nobody's saying you did it, but you sure look like you could have done it. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. 